Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. for Batter Up, the definitive Atlanta Braves podcast with host Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, giving you exclusive insight into our Braves from Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Joe and Caleb. Welcome in to the Batter Up podcast. It is the week of March 8th. We are, what, two weeks in now to spring training. Things are starting to ramp back up. I am... Caleb Johnson with my co-host, Joe Patrick. Joe, how's it going? Who knows what week it is anymore, what day it is anymore. It's kind of weird. You know, I've been doing flashes today for 99, and it's uh, it's that feeling I had again when all the bad stuff was happening a year ago today. Now it's like conference tournaments are back in college football, Braves spring training, you know, all the things <laughs> that I would. I remember I was working for our, our colleague, Mike Conti, the day where like the, the day of death where like all the everything, sports are getting canceled i was about to say everything you were saying that day was well folks this one's canceled yep yep exactly so it was like college basketball stopping in the middle of games spring training games i think the braves were actually playing and i think they ended up finishing their game but other games were getting canceled so anyway in a much better time now now i'm happy and sun's out birds are chirping we're all ready to watch some baseball this year yeah, I was about to say, I mean, you talk about things going back somewhat to normal. Uh, I had a I had a wedding this weekend, which is weird as things are like slowly opening and everyone still wants to be safe. Um, it, 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 you know, best friend of mine got married and then followed it up with yesterday was the NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta which was sort of normal because there were some healthcare workers there in um, attendance, but then also very weird as, you know, you had Zoom calls and you couldn't go to certain areas, everything. It's just, uh, it is an interesting time as we are ramping back up to some normalcy and still trying to deal with this weird uh, COVID world. 
um, which does then affect our baseball as you try to get a good idea of, of what's going on with, with this Braves team who for the moment, not that it is very important, um, but it, the Braves are four and three in Grapefruit League. Winning record, I'll, baby, going to the playoffs. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> four and three in a spring training where games are ending after seven innings and innings can stop after the pitcher has thrown 20 pitches. It's just uh, a lot to kind of it's a like lot a, of weirdness to get used to. It's like going back into the backyard. It's like backyard baseball vibes. You just play until you get hungry. And it's time to go inside and have a snack. <laughs> that sounds about right. Where's the Where's the Capri Suns and cheese sticks? That's right. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it also is a time where I think we kind of spoke to this last week. It's a time where we can overreact to some things and then maybe cool the jets on other things. I think for this week, the the true overreaction or excitement that we can kind of have is the performance that Charlie Morton had yesterday against the Braves as, yes, they they did beat the Red Sox, but I think it was more important that we saw the first appearance of Charlie Morton, who threw three innings. He had three strikeouts and didn't allow any runs. It was just nice seeing a veteran pitching signing look good early. I'll yeah. leave it at that yeah, for sure. I mean, I do think that to an extent, there is something we can take away from the Charlie Morton uh, outing, which is that he was throwing, uh, you know, reportedly 96. I think he touched with his fastball, which is which is good. That That is that is that is good velocity for Morton. That's, you know, where he can get to. And I think that that actually matters now because that was a big issue for him last year, last year during the weird pandemic season, his velocity was not where it normally sat uh, at the beginning of the year. And that's when he really got knocked around a bit. Um, last year, he turned into, he turned back into Charlie Morton toward the second half of the season. Uh, and I think that that kind of the slow start, it may have been something that allowed the Braves to actually have a chance to sign him. Had he not been the same old all-star Charlie Morton the whole year through um but so good to see him kind of hitting those velocities but in general it's been really weird you know we were talking about this before uh we went live today on the show and it's just like a uh really weird spring training and that we're just not it seems it feels to me at least like there's less opportunities to actually watch the games themselves than there have been in the past i just feel like in the past i would have seen more braves spring training um than we have to this point a lot of what we're going off of right now is What's Brian Snicker saying about the players, you know, before and after the games? What are the players themselves saying about how they're feeling? And to an extent that, that that's you, that is useful, but also you have to understand that they know that they're talking to media. And so, you know, you're going to get kind of things are going to be filtered when they kind of when when they come through with that uh, intention. So um, but it's been interesting. It's been it's it's always good to just finally have the base, have, have the season, have the baseball season just back in our lives. Yeah, I was I was about to say when you were talking about not having too many opportunities to watch, I think one thing that has not been brought up too much, at least from the stuff that I've seen, but it is still one of those annoying things, is that for all of the cord cutters like myself yeah. who have gone over to to the you know digital streaming side of things, 
we're still, for the most part, unable to watch any games because of the disagreements that television networks are having with these streaming services. Uh, I know, for one, I'm anytime I want to watch the Braves on uh, on Fox Sports South, I'm going to my parents' login, who mm-hmm. who happen to have AT and T, you know, and, and and making things work. So I think that is a little bit frustrating. Also, I think you and I talked a little bit before we got started in the idea that it's not that important right now that we physically see everything because it's a lot of guys are coming out from whatever sort of workouts they were doing that got them into spring training and, and kind of working things out. You know, we, we have not hit the, the heat of spring where guys are, are in their zone. There have been some important developments. I think along from Charlie Morton having the day that he had yesterday, we also have some reports that uh, I know uh, Dave, uh, Dave O'Brien put out that Mike Soroka threw two simulated innings against what I believe was described as like a lineup of Ian Anderson, who didn't get to pitch because <laughs> of the rainout on Saturday, and some guys like Kipnis and uh, some other, I guess, borderline scrubs. roster invites. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, you you go straight for the scrubs. I'll I'll leave you be the one to You're professional to say professional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Professional baseball players. I mean, honestly, Joe, some of these guys might be on the bench to start the opening day roster. So <laughs> that's kind of scary. We have, be, we have to be very careful how we address some of these guys. But I think, yeah, I mean, for us to be looking at any bit of promise about this Braves season to see Mike Soroka or to hear about Mike Soroka throwing uh, two simulated innings, which I think Dave, Dave O'Brien's report came from what he called a Major League Baseball official who was giving the eye test of what he saw and that, yeah, you know, he, he had a couple of grounders that he looked good fielding and a couple that didn't look so good. But I think it was just the idea that he was out there mm-hmm. throwing that there is hope that things will get going relatively soon. Well, it's funny because I was talking about this on Andy and Randy today. I did a radio hit and it didn't seem it doesn't seem to me like the Braves are like concerned about Mike Soroka's arm. And so like that's what I was talking to the guys today saying that, you know, I'm not that surprised that he was one, just throwing a simulated game or two, you know, mm-hmm. looking decent. If that, if, you know, people want to refer to it that way, because that's pretty much what I've, the expectation that's been set um, is going to going to be the issue, obviously with Mike Soroka revolves around the injury coming back from the injury, uh, the, the Achilles tear that he suffered last year. And from what I understand, the concern of, you know, exacerbating that injury now is not necessarily to the Achilles or to the arm, which have been in, which has been kept in good shape. It's to the other joints in that leg or even on the opposite leg, I guess, from like overuse, overcompensation in the knees, the hips, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, so that's why it's interesting to see him do the simulated game for having to run off the mound, you know, run to first base, do those kinds of things. That's good to see. Um, but as far as how he's looking, throwing and things like that, uh, I'm not that concerned about Mike. And I think that, you know, I, I've kind of been bullish on him throughout this spring since we've gotten to talk. And I've said, um, you know, that I've thought that 
the him missing about a month or so of the season is probably the most likely scenario. And I still think that, but I've said that I wouldn't put it totally out of contention that he could be back for maybe not opening day, but opening week, something like that. Um, and I still think that that's generally possible, but it does seem I'm getting the sense now that he's going, he's just on a different track than some of these other pitchers who are obviously clearly um, like Charlie Morton's looking much, much sharper. He's doing a lot more in general. So I do think that Soroka is a little bit behind, but I think that he's still um, just right on schedule. And the really interesting part about Soroka's injury and this is the other thing we talked about today was he's not going to be a hundred percent, a hundred, hundred percent, like back to his normal Mike Soroka until like, September or October. Uh, so it, it's really a long injury. But when when you push him back by a month, by two months, people have been saying that, you know, like you don't want to rush him back from this injury. It's a matter of how much are you actually de-risking the situation versus how much it's going to cost you as a team keeping him out of that rotation. And so I just think that that's the balancing act that this Braves team is going to have to try to figure out is like how much um, do we want risk? Do we want to take off before we're actually losing more uh, by keeping him out? So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. But again, a good sign that he was out there doing that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I To your point, I think it is where you, whether sometimes we might have issues with sports doctors and being like, well, or, you know, who, who do they have the most interest for, you know, or who are they? A reporting to kind of thing i think in this instance you have to leave it up to the doctors that if he's ready to go if he's as ready as he's going to be then then let's see him uh i want to change gears on us a little bit in that if you haven't been paying too much to spring training games which i gotta be honest with you don't necessarily blame you <laughs> uh you might have missed a bit of a development I think I can call it a development in a slight role change uh, for Johan Camargo, who we've seen throughout this early spring playing a lot of shortstop. Uh, Obviously in the past, it was those battles that we were expecting between Austin Riley and Johan Camargo for third base. Austin Riley did enough to, to hold on to that position and then with the signing of Jake Lamb this offseason, it seems that, that Brian Sticker wants to move Johan to be potentially that full-time backup at shortstop. What's your comfort level with that, Joe? Well, I'm not really comfortable with Johan Camargo, just generally speaking. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, no, that's fair. <laughs> but I would say that, I mean, I think that this is the smart move, having brought in Jake Lamb. Like, if you bring in a guy like Jake Lamb, who, who's going to you know, ostensibly be a third baseman if he's not pinch hitting or whatever, um, play on the corner, those corner infield spots, then yeah, it makes more sense to have Camargo be more prepared to have to play um, shortstop, second base, and then probably outfield. You probably still want to have him have that versatility. And I think he generally would be able to do that, although I don't think he's, he's no great shakes out there in the outfield. But um, you know, I don't know. Johan Camargo is such an interesting guy because um, obviously we all know in was 2018, he had that really um, impressive year. And then in 2019, he just he well, first of all, he looked out of shape to me. Uh, he just like, never really looked conversation. fit the whole year. Um, well, let's call it what it is. He looked overweight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And then last year he looked he came in looking much, much better. 
uh, looked much more in game shape, but he was never still able to like really translate that into that same kind of production on the field that we saw in 2018. So um, hopefully he can turn it around, but I do feel like he's one of those guys who kind of um, he's kind of fortunate, I think to still be around just because of some of the um, financial issues and other things facing the Braves. He's just kind of been fortunate to still have a role in this team. But I do think that this is kind of the year where he has to really, um, you know, impress, I think, Brian Snicker and the coaching staff. And if he if he wants Atlanta to be um, the place where he is long term. And I do think that he loves being here. I think he loves being around guys like Ronald Acuna who's probably like his best friend, Ozzy Albies uh, as well. Like those three years seem to be, um, you know, joined at the hip. But uh, yeah, for his sake, I hope that he can put up a season this year that um, makes him, uh, you know, a priority for the Braves to keep around. Because if it is, if he is, then it's good for both parties. It's good for the Braves and it's good for Johan Camargo. So hopefully he can he can do that this year. But I do think that it makes sense to have him ready to go um, to back up at shortstop. Yeah, well, I was thinking that this makes sense in that the Braves have kind of brought in other pieces to fill some of the roles you would have normally expected Johan Camargo to be at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, he he definitely, you know, his defensive capabilities, I think, were his bright spot at third. Then, as you alluded to, you know, him playing shortstop in that 2019 season, backing up when Dansby went down, didn't look good because – like I was saying, he looked overweight. It's fine for a guy like me to be overweight because I'm just talking, you know, on air <laughs> right, for yeah. a guy, you know, in that. That's right. We're just doing spot. our jobs. We're doing our jobs, you know, eating. Exactly, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> but but in a shortstop position, no, it can't happen. And so I think it had to have been disappointing for the Braves front office to see that so much so that they went out and signed a Danny Echevarria mm-hmm. and brought yep. Echevarria in who uh, – I, I had to kind of remind myself he was the only other guy in that shortened 2020 season to play shortstop outside of Dansby. And so it seems and, that – go ahead. Well, and it shows how uh, how fortunate the Braves have been that Dansby has been such a reliable player for them these last couple of years, really. Like, he never misses a game, which is huge. Yeah, well, I was about to say, after having the surgeries that he's had to kind of clean up some of the issues, they've been very lucky to have the durability – I'd say out of out of Dansby. So for Camargo to not really have a spot at third, Jake Lamb's there. It seems that the Braves were looking are looking at Jason Kipnis to be that backup second baseman role. It does start to to tighten things up for Johan, where you have to wonder if it doesn't work out at shortstop. Is that the end of the road for for his time here in Atlanta? I would have to assume that the answer to that is yes, because they they need someone in that spot. I know they brought in, uh, who is it, Adriazana to be Adrianza, one of those. Yeah, yeah. Adrianza, thank you. As one of those, you know, non-roster invitees who uh, he came over from the Twins as, as potentially an option and, and maybe also another guy to kind of get it in Johan's mind of like, hey, this is your time to shine or – uh, you're going to get your job taken. I just, I, I found it interesting that, well, I can honestly say it was one of those, I almost forgot that that 
that as these other positions are starting to fill up, that Camargo's got to go somewhere mm-hmm. or he's not going to have a, a place on this team. And and this is why Camargo is kind of a lucky guy at this point right now, because the, because that is his competition. A guy like Adrianza or a guy like a Jason Kipnis is his competition. It's not a very high bar to be cleared right now uh, to make well, the, or- the Braves bench. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, or Shoemake, who the Braves are looking at, you know, long term, but no, yeah. is in no way ready right now. That he's like, even in the conversation, I think is honestly a little bit of an indictment on Johan Camargo. The fact that they yeah. would even be looking to a guy like Brendan Shoemake, who was just drafted a couple of years ago. And you, um, I mean, he was a high pick. I think he was like a third rounder or something like that, but um, was clearly like a developmental player. So, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And Again, the Braves don't have the Braves have a weak bench and they don't really have the money to go out there and sign somebody to take his place. So he's kind of been fortunate at this to this point, but he's really got to make an impression now. Otherwise, I think his time in Atlanta is going to slip him by. Yeah. Now, one guy who we know his time in Atlanta is for sure secured for the long uh, for long term, just based on the contract that he signed. But somebody that I am concerned about maybe some lingering issues or some regression is our guy, Ronald Acuna Jr., who has come out this spring after, if we're honest, the end of 2020 was not great for Ronnie. I mean, he he Awful. just, yeah, he, he went out with a thud and it was all placed on his wrist injury, which he did talk about this spring as he was having, and it, it didn't even really crossed my mind until he brought it up the fact that he was having to wear different equipment at the biggest time of the season and having to change you know what's going on around your hand especially as you're torquing that bat sure will mess with your swing and so his offensive production went to you know abysmally nothing and the Braves unfortunately fizzled out but this spring he's come back everyone's saying he's healthy but he's, you know, batting, um, well, not well is how we'll put it so far. Well, it was, is he over 100? I don't, I don't even know if he is. I think he may only have no. like one hit so 091. Far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been yeah, a struggle. I, I mean, it's hard to tell exactly at this point. And, th- and this is, again, I hate to um, <clears throat> try to like make, take too many takeaways from this situation, but to your point though, I'm glad you brought it up because like it, because it's not like it's just this spring that it's the fact that it's the continuation from the end of last year. That is, I think at least cause for conversation about this. I would not say I'm concerned. Like I'm not concerned long-term. I think that if the wrist was, you know, the Braves would have known the condition of his wrist. And I think that, if he were to have needed a surgery or something, they definitely would have had that done at the end of the season. I think like the fact that he didn't have any sort of surgery or procedure done um, is, is encouraging for me in the fact that he's that, that he should be healthy. Um, and we saw him, you know, working out hard down in, down in Venezuela or down in, in the off season. Um, I, I'm not like super concerned about him long-term, but you know, I think that there's every chance that he could get off to a rough start to the season. Um He's 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 always been a player who seems like he blows hot and cold, like like not that he ever gets like cold, cold, but um, he's a guy who just has has that kind of track record. So um, it's possible that he could get off to a slow start. But, 
you know, who really knows? It's, it's kind of funny. You know, I was fortunate enough to be able to hang out with Brian Jordan for about a weekend um, before the 2019 season. We were down there doing some stuff for 99. It was me and Andy Bunker and Brian. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny just to hear a, a pro a ex-pro baseball player just like to get their opinion and their Oh, yeah. how, how they feel about spring training and so many of them like don't even want to be there they're like i don't even need spring tra-. you know it's like give me a week like i'm not even like i'll go into get at bats like trying to trying to get a walk and like i don't even care if i get out or i strike out or whatever so who knows if you know ronald's working on something in particular or if he's you know what's going on what might be causing this but I'm not super concerned yet but i think you are right to just kind of bring it up and that's something to keep a tabs on here's my issue with the situation going on with Ronald is that the thing that we so love about him is also a potential downfall for him in that he's a big kid. Like we love the fact that he brings what's fun to the game of baseball back. You know, he is a big kid when he's out on the field. However, oftentimes kids are they don't take everything that needs to be taken seriously Mm -hmm. specific when it comes to injuries, you know, it's just the class thing, you know, rub some dirt in it, you know, brush it off kind of thing. Uh, When you talk about all we can take right now is what we, what we hear from the players and what we hear from uh, Brian Snitker, Snitker came out and said, quote, the wrist is no problem. He's looked good. He's in great shape. He's kind of trimmed himself up, which is in a point in itself. Uh, he's right where he needs to be. And then they, ha- they you know, went to talk to, to Ronnie about how he feels about the wrist and everything going on. And then he said something that is like, like red flag. Uh, if you, uh, you know, know what's going on with injuries and in that regardless if I'm feeling hurt or feeling anything, my goal is to be in the lineup every single day which is the exact thing that a young player is going to say because they love the game. They want to be out there. They're not necessarily so concerned about long-term effects, uh, you know, that maybe clearing things up short-term can give you longer health. Uh, I think it kind of goes along with what you were saying, your conversations with Brian Jordan, where maybe guys towards the end of their career or as they become veterans – look at spring as like, ah, you know, got to go out here and let me just figure out how to make my way through things where the young guys are like, oh, no, I want to play like every mm-hmm. at bat, every inning, you know, I just I want to be there. And so um, I don't in any way want to put it out there that like that Ronald isn't capable of measuring his own health. Like he's plenty, plenty capable of doing that. I do just get concerned if the the inner kid in him that's just like, I want to go play, I want to go help my team, it is something that could hurt him if yeah. he is dealing with something that's going on with his wrist and he just won't say. I mean, I think we've seen something like this before with Freddie Freeman, who will oftentimes you know, play through injuries. He was playing in the, when he had that, those bone spurs in his elbow a couple of years ago, it was like, it like locked up on him in the middle of the game. He like couldn't move his arm. It was terrible. As, as viewers, we're all watching it yeah. being like, they need to sit him. Like at this <laughs> yeah. point, it, well, we, we've reached the playoffs and it's like, I'd rather see someone else play than, than Freddie at that point. 
I think Dansby was another one where question marks started, you know, popping up because we didn't know, oh, injuries are going on. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I just and yeah, and I mean again the uh, the thing with Freddie obviously in the playoffs that was like a unique situation because you were in the playoffs. But I think at least for me the one the one reason that this kind of thing specifically is cause for concern is the fact that the team's manager is Brian Snicker, and Brian Snicker is an old school guy who yep. likes the idea of players getting out there every day and playing. And I you know I, I actually think he did a lot better last year because he was feeling the effects of the crazy season that the team was having, um, having to isolate themselves and all the protocols they had to go through. Uh, I think that he felt it himself and also it was much more easier for him to see the effects of it on the team. And so with the DH, he was able to rotate some guys through, get some guys some rest when they needed it. Um, hopefully he can take a lot of those lessons and apply them to this longer season because I would love to see Freddie Freeman get more days off. I would love to see Ronald Acuna get more days off uh, because I think that it, it benefits those players and the team long-term. If you can keep them fresher for longer, the team's going to be better, especially when it matters most in the playoffs. So um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it develops. I mean, again, there's no reason to think that Ronald Acuna's wrist right now is, is an issue, um, no. but, it, but it's just, you just hope that he can just stay healthy and feeling fresh all season. Yeah. I was about to say it, that hearing things like that is when uh, my Eeyore personality starts coming <laughs> out and I go, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Uh, switching gears a little bit into a question that we got asked on our Facebook Live as we go through. Uh, and this one is, is actually pretty easy to answer more f- as it's unfortunate. Uh, Michael Johnson asks, have they made an announcement about DH in the National League this year? Joe, tell him the bad news. Yeah, the Athletic was reported, I think, over the weekend or maybe last week that it's it's uh, quote unquote dead. It's like not even up for debate anymore. They pretty much just stopped the conversation about it, and we presume we will get a DH next year when there is a new collective bargaining agreement. Um, which is going to be a whole nother thing that we're going to have to deal with after this off in this coming off season. So brace yourself. Uh, but yeah, no, no DH this year, unfortunately, but I think, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's just unfortunate. You just, you no. just hate to see the pitchers. <laughs> I think so, because I mean, as most people know, there are those fun stories. There are the Bartolo colognes. There are the yeah. Max Freeds who, you know, are guys who, yeah, I mean, they can kind of rake as well as pitch. Uh, but it is one where we want offense. I yeah. mean, that, that's we, – we go to game. I mean, great – there are great games, one to nothing. You know, those things happen. But for the most part, we want offense. And the fact that the league is willing to use – making their sport better as a bargaining chip to get what they want from the players is rather unfortunate. It just, it is where we, it is where we are, (laughs) you know, it is what it is. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and I do think, again, this is something we talked about on the radio earlier today, but it will be very interesting to see how, if Brian Snicker's perception among fans changes at all this season with the DH not coming back, because I think that one of the reasons why, um, I mean, everybody's respected the job that he's done, of course, uh, since he's been mm-hmm. the manager here. Um, well, everyone except for maybe John Chuckery. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. Good point. Um, but I think last year, especially, it was like, wow, this guy's great. He, he's, you know, 
his team has handled the pandemic better than anybody, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that one thing that was easy to overlook was the fact that he was not having to make decisions on like who to pinch hit and when, and when, and when to pinch hit for a pitcher who's coming up. Um, those are just, th- th- that's a decision that I don't think any manager necessarily wants to make, but obviously in the D in the NL, that's just like a, you know, comes with the territory and, you're going to make the wrong decision at times. There's going to be times when, you know, fans are voiced their displeasure because you pull out a starting pitcher in the, you know, after five innings who's thrown great, but you know, there's a big hitting spot coming up and you, and you gotta, and you want to hit for him or, or, or vice versa, something, you know, you just, there, there's more decisions to be made, which means there's more potential pitfalls for you as a manager to fall into. So, and of course the, the thing that I really feel for with baseball managers is that, when you do get in these situations and whatever, you know, whatever decision you go with doesn't work out. There's like always the assumption that had you just done the other thing, then it clearly would have worked out (laughs) uh, in your favor. You mean if Kevin cash hadn't have pulled Blake Snell in the world series, I mean, the Rays all clearly would have won the World Series exactly. had they not made that one decision. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, there's just going to be a lot more of those kinds of decisions for Brian Snicker to make this year. So brace yourselves for that. But it, it is nice that they have Jake Lamb, who looks like he will be kind of the the number one bat off the bench in those situations. Yeah. All right, Joe, before we get out of here. Man, this has flown by, by the way. It really has. It really we make, has. We make uh, a whole schedule for this, and then we <laughs> – get caught up on the things but it's good it's good no it, I love it. it has been um before we do get out of here i do want to play I, I i will call it a game because that makes it sound better that makes it sound fun and i and i, I think this is fun these things to sort of debate uh that i will go first i'll let i will then toss it to you let you throw one out of let's go over some who is more likely to make the opening day roster look we are yeah, we we're still a month away. How far away are we from the beginning of the season? Uh, less less About, than a month away. Yeah, just less um, than a month. Yeah, from from the season opening. So it's really way too early to be throwing predictions out. However, it's just fun, uh, especially knowing what we know based on a previous season. Is yeah, let's throw out some names and try to figure out who we expect to be on this Braves opening day roster. I'm gonna start it out with. A guy who is near and dear to my heart uh, is a favorite of mine, although he may not be a favorite on the field. And then a guy who our station loves to just make fun of day in and day out. Joe, who is more likely to make the opening day roster, Ender Enciarte or Luke Jackson? I actually like both of these guys off the field. They're very different kinds of characters, but Ender and Ciarte is the extremely like earnest, um, emotional kind of guy. But Luke Jackson is hilarious. And he's also like a professional video game player, which is really Mm -hmm. funny. There was like one game in uh, 2019, back when we were in the stadium, um, he had like a a tournament set up for like his squad. (laughs) So like he like comes out of the dugout with like his video game team's uh, shirt, (laughs) like t-shirt. And then he like went into the other room where you could see all these computers set up. Anyway, I'm uh, totally off the track now. Um, I think Ender and Ciarte is more likely to make the opening day roster. I think that he still offers you more just as a player. He can at least give you a little bit of defense. He can, if, even if it's not what he once was, you know, he's a, 
decent to average out outfielder. Um, he's not that fast anymore either, but I guess he can, you know, run the bases for you. He's a, he's warm, warm legs. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you know, he's, a, and he's a left-handed bat. So you, you, you could, yeah, I, I think that he just offers more. I think Luke Jackson has uh, more competition and he doesn't quite have the track record, I think, to kind of prove his spot in the road in the bullpen right now. So I'm going with Ender. No, I, I would completely agree with you there. I think even though the Braves bullpen is still trying to figure themselves out, it just seems like based on uh, where Luke Jackson has been on, you know, postseason rosters or not being on postseason rosters, it seems like he's a guy who isn't really necessary. Uh, also, there is the obvious fact of Ender Enciarte is going to be on this team because he's making too much money. Right. Yeah. Um, like those, those are the facts. They're going to have to, at least for another year there, they will play him or figure out something to do with him or potentially trade him. If they can get any sort of return, I'm sure he would have to be a part of a package uh, that he's going to be a part of this team because he makes too much money. So it, it's just, uh, I think, you know, that, that is as simple as it gets with, with guys like that. To your point, I would say that the Braves would rather trade away Ender and Ciarte than Luke Jackson, just so they could get rid of the, the money. I don't think any team wants to take on Ender and Ciarte's contract right now. You'd have to give up Ender and Ciarte plus prospects to just, just to get rid of him. Um, oh, yeah. So I would say that he would be the one that the Braves would prefer kind of <laughs> not to have on the opening day roster if they had it on their terms and they could trade him away and not be eating that contract. It's essentially revisiting BJ Upton yeah, here in exactly. Atlanta, where he was a guy that they tricked San Diego. I call it they tricked. They tricked San Diego into making a deal. So, so potentially you could see that in the future. Uh, Joe, do you have any that you would that you would kind of put as an either or of of you know, making this opening day roster. I did spring this up on. Well, yeah, let's talk about these catchers. I think that that's one of the most interesting position battles on this squad right now in the spring training. Cause I feel like there aren't that many position battles overall. Like you don't no, have some, true. Yeah. The, the, the lineup's pretty much set, uh, but this backup catcher, obviously Trey, uh, Tyler flowers, Tyler flowers. <laughs> <laughs> Trey flowers, Tyler flowers, is uh, not back. So Travis Arno is going to be, you know, catching 75, 80% of the games. And then you're going to have a backup and it's going to sounds like it's going to be between Alex Jackson or William Contreras. And I'm actually going to say, I think Alex Jackson is your opening day catcher. I don't think he's the better catcher between the two, but I think that because this position is only going to be catching one day a week, something like that, one or two days a week, um, that because of that lack of playing time, you would actually rather you would you would rather have your more talented player be getting regular playing time uh, at the AAA level. So I think that that will be William Contreras. And I think there are some options issues with having to deal with these players. I can't remember if it's Alex Jackson that has the options or doesn't have the options, and William does. I'm not sure, but I think I think Alex I, has one anyway. I'm glad you made the distinction because I think at least when it, you know, it comes to the eye test and, and performance of what we saw last year, when especially early on in the season, they had the COVID issues that knocked out, you know, catchers. I, it was clear as day to me that, that Contreras was the better kit catcher over Jackson, 
but it seemed like the Braves kept trotting out Jackson and trying to, it you know, it, it was to me, it was like they were trying to make him fetch. Like they were trying to make a thing that wasn't a thing <laughs> work out. Nice. And it was just infuriating. And I'm seeing it again this spring where it seems like Alex Jackson is getting more time, more, at least more appearances than Contreras. And, and initially I'm going, what is going on? I don't understand this, but I do have to agree with you there that if you do have the better catcher, you may not necessarily, at least yet uh, until, until you find out how Travis Darno is going to be, which his first plate appearance of this spring, much like last spring was a home run. So you're thinking, Hey, maybe he'll pick right back up. Uh, that that yeah you cat that you carry the maybe less talented uh, catcher and spare those plate appearances for a guy who's who's going to get it uh, on the offsite or or minor league. And I I, I think you, you do that because there isn't a, it's not like a, there's a drastic drastic difference between these two guys. Both Alex Jackson I and William Contreras. I think there Contreras. will be in a future. I totally agree with you there. I think that right now, William Contreras and Alex Jackson are both like very solid defensive catchers, which is what you want out of out of that guy who's going to be catching one of your five starters in the rotation. But uh, I do think that, yeah, William Contreras has better. He, he makes contact more. He, he hits the ball. And Alex Jackson does not do that enough for him to be kind of a, a long term major league option. But I think right now in the position they're in going into this opening day, I do think that Alex Jackson will be the guy that they they turn to, but we'll see. There's there's a ton of talent in this Braves catching pool, by the way. Shea Langoliers has been opening eyes like crazy this spring, just with his arm. Um, and they Brian Snickers pretty much raved about every catcher they have in camp right now. So it's finally like a it's a change. It's a now a, starting to become a, a deep position in the organization. I was about to say it almost lends you to the thought of they they may have. Uh, too much of surplus uh, you know catching it it may happen throughout this year where maybe that's a a position that can be a part of some trades and you can get some more talent in here i i, I do agree that that yeah you've heard you've heard langelier's name brought up a ton uh and that even happened a year ago and so you have to wonder I mean, there's got to be a spot for him, but you still got Dar- Darno under contract. And if Darno is still playing to what he did last year, you're absolutely going to leave that alone and and you know continue on as is. But but there may be a, a, a stir up here at mm-hmm. some point this season, if not in the off season for sure. I think Joe, that is where we're going to have to leave it. We we've just flown by in, in a second episode of just the two of us, you know, we are trying to, to figure things out going from a trio to a duo. I think we're, we're managing pretty well. Getting there. How about you? Getting there. We're getting our spring training reps as well. So for sure. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely spring for us as well. So for everybody watching on Facebook live, thank you uh, for tuning in. Uh, for everyone who's going to be listening to us on our podcast that we're going to post uh, please rate us, review us, tell your friend about the show, uh, tell our bosses about the show if you know how to reach them, <laughs> because, well, that's just going to make us seem better. If you don't like our show, normally people like to say, well, just don't tell anybody or just, you know, act like it never happened. No, I'm going to say if you don't like our show, just just put us on mute 
because uh, views are still important. You know, listening hours still yeah. important. <laughs> All and, we care you know, about is to listen. Yeah, you don't have to listen exactly. to us. Exactly. Just, just play it. Just play the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us our credit. Um, happy International Women's Day. We did want to give a shout out before we got out of here uh, to our wonderful uh, co-workers who are women, especially at 92.9, uh, Tanitra Batiste, Wendy Adams, Nia Sapp, um, are incredible people. And so always want to take the opportunity to honor them. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Batter Up podcast. For Joe Patrick, I'm Caleb Johnson. Have a great day. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.